Um, for those of you that are new, welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the middle school pastor here, so I will be hanging out with you guys because I love you guys. And I am looking forward to getting something started tonight, a brand new series that we're going to start for the next several weeks. And it is called Good News. And uh, the good news is we are going to talk about one particular guy for several, several weeks. Anybody want to take a guess on who that guy is? Jesus. Jesus. Can I get an amen for Jesus? Amen. Okay, so Jesus is who we're going to talk about for the next several weeks, like all the way into Christmas several weeks. So here's the cool thing, though. All these stories we're going to talk about are very different. Like, Jesus went through a lot of different things, so we're going to be able to talk about a lot of different things. And the cool thing about when we're looking at Jesus' life is, does anybody know something specific about how he lived his life? He did it in what a way? What way? Perfectly, yes. Perfectly. He didn't mess up at all. He didn't mess up once. He did it the only way uh, that he could, which was perfectly, because he was God as a person. So when we're looking at his life, he's the best person we could ever look at because he was perfect. I know some of you are really good, like you're pretty close to perfect, but he was actually perfect. Like I know a lot of you don't do anything wrong and you're very godly people and you, you do good grades and you don't lie to your parents and you obey all the rules and all those things. I know most of you do that, right? Right? What's sad is half of you are like, not even close. I broke five rules on the way here. (laughs) My parents are going to ground me as soon as I get home. That's okay. Jesus loves you too, and so do we. So we're glad you're here. But the good news is Jesus' life. So when we're saying good news, what is that? It's Jesus. That's it. Jesus is the good news. So we're going to talk about him tonight, and we're going to look at a specific story in Matthew chapter 4. So if you got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4 because that's the only place we're going to be tonight. Matthew chapter 4. And if you need it on the screen, there it is. Matthew chapter 4. Say it with me. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I don't know why I want to say it like that. Um, And I just spit everywhere when I said that, so I apologize to you three. Um, So Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at Jesus. Now, he, there's a story of him being born. Some of you may have read that at Christmas time. You know, the manger. You know what I'm talking about? The wise men. All that stuff. Joseph, Mary. Okay. Well, we're going to skip the birth part. And we're going to go into him being an adult. So he's somewhere around the age of 30. Um, somewhere around there. And he is starting his ministry. And this is where we pick up the story in chapter 4 of Matthew. So, for those of you that don't have your Bible, you can check out the screen. I'm going to throw up the verses. Now, here's how it starts. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Yes, the devil. Anybody know who the devil is? Who is he? He's the person down there, Satan. Yes, he is... He is the evil one. He is the one who tried to rebel against God. He is the one who is anti-God. He is the one who is, he is bad news. I mean, he is like the ultimate bad news bear, the devil. So Jesus is being led by the Spirit. So he's following God into the wilderness where he's going to be tempted by the devil. Anybody in here ever felt like they've been tempted before to do something bad or wrong? My hand is up right now. 
That's what I figured. Hopefully, I would think everybody's hand is up because I'm sure all of us have been tipped at some time. Now, if you're talking, I need you to zip it up. Tonight, the entire story is about this right here. Jesus going into the wilderness and he's getting tempted by Satan. Something that all of us can really relate to because we're all tempted to do certain things that are against what God has asked. So this is what Jesus is about to face. Some of the same kind of stuff that we get tempted with. Satan's going to come at him three different times, three different ways. And Jesus is going to respond three different times, three different ways. But they're very similar in the way he responds. So we're going to look at those different temptations, the different ways Satan comes at Jesus, because he comes at us a lot of the same ways. And then we're going to look at how Jesus responds to those things. Because if we're trying to live like somebody, a good idea is to live like the guy that lived perfectly. And if we're Christians, it means we're trying to follow Jesus. So we want to try to respond the way Jesus responded. Are you with me? Give me this. Yes. Okay. So we're going to try to respond to Satan and temptation the same way Jesus did. That's our goal tonight. Let's get rolling. You down? Say yes. Yes. Okay. So, very beginning. Just so you know this, okay? When you follow God, you will be tempted to sin. Sometimes we think when we become a Christian or when we're trying to follow God, like evil just goes away from us. Like there's no more temptation anymore. We are now holy. No. No. Not how it works. When you accept Jesus and when you become a Christian, when you start to follow after God, Satan probably is going to come after you more. He wants you to mess up more. He wants you to do stuff against God more because you know God now. Does that make sense? Like if there's a guy who is jealous that a girl likes one of his buddies, he's jealous about that, but they're not dating or anything like that, the the girl and and his buddy, he's probably not going to be super jealous about them hanging out and talking and stuff. But if they start to, like, go on dates and stuff, and they start to, like, call each other boyfriend, girlfriend, and stuff like that, his jealousy is going to go to a whole nother level. And he might start trying to break them up and, like, start rumors and stuff. It's kind of like Satan. When we come to know Jesus, when we come to know God, and we start to have a relationship there, Satan goes into, like, jealous mode overdrive. And he starts to try to break us up. He starts to try to break up that relationship between us and God. So, when you're a Christian, when you're following God... Sin and temptation are going to come your way. The question is, how are you going to respond? How will you respond to being tempted? Because being tempted isn't a sin. It's what you do once you're tempted. So if I'm tempted to eat a brownie, and I know God said, don't eat that brownie. I have a choice to eat the brownie or not. It wasn't a sin that I'm seeing a brownie. But if I take a bite of it after I've already told God I wasn't going to take a bite, then I went into sin mode. Whereas if I walked away and said, no, I'm not going to eat that brownie because it goes straight to my thighs. If I would have done that, then it would have been fine. But I didn't do that. I ate the brownie, so then I sinned. So you with me? We're all going to be tempted. The question is, how are we going to respond to the temptation? Well, let's see how it goes down with Satan and Jesus. Verse number two. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. So Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 full days. Anybody ever not eaten for 40 full days? For real? Never, you didn't eat for 40 full days. For real. You're in church. Don't be lying. (laughs) If you've ever done that for real, you get hungry. Hungry. You get real hungry. Okay. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. So he was hungry. 
I mean, it makes sense. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. So verse 3, it says, the tempter, who's the tempter? Yes, Satan, right. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, Jesus is who? God, right? So God can do anything, right? So Jesus could technically turn these stones into bread, right? Yes. So when Satan's tempting him to turn stones into bread, it's not like a ridiculous request because Jesus could actually do it if he wanted to. So this isn't like if he came to me and said, hey, turn that chair into jerky. That's ridiculous because I can't turn this chair into jerky. I'm not jerky man with jerky powers. Although I do love jerky. If there was some jerky, anybody got any jerky? I'm just kidding. Um, I can't turn that into jerky, but God, Jesus could turn stones into bread. So Satan tempts him with this. And he tempts him with that because he's hungry, right? I mean, bread sounds pretty good when you're hungry. So, one thing we see about that temptation right there is Jesus' identity was questioned. At the very beginning, Satan says, okay, if you're the son of God, then do this. So he's questioning who he is. Like, okay, if you're really Jesus, then do almost like a double dog dare kind of thing. You know, like, if you're really good at basketball, then I dare you to dunk it. I dare you. It's like a dare. Like, if you're really Jesus, then turn these stones into bread. That's kind of what Satan's doing to Jesus right now. He's kind of double dog daring him. So, he questions his identity, similar to how he does with us. If he tempts us with something, he tempts you with something, he's going to question your identity probably at some point. Oh, you say you're a Christian? Well, I dare you to do this. You say you love God? I dare you to do this. You say you're a child of God? Okay, I dare you. So he questions his identity a lot of the same way he does with us. Now, this is what else he does. Satan knew Jesus knew his need. His need was hunger. His need was food. He was hungry. So he tempts him to fill the need himself for Jesus just to take care of it instead of trusting God for it. Kind of the same way he comes at us sometimes. Oh, hey, you want, you want some money for a snack this afternoon? Cool. Well, you see the dude like two desks up on the left? He's about to go get, go to the restroom. When he does, he's got two bucks in his desk. Take the two bucks and go get you a snack. It's going to be perfect. So you could say, okay, I'm going to give into that. and I'm going to go get the money. I'm going to get a snack because I'm hungry. And you could try to fill the need yourself. Or who knows? Somebody, you might just ask around and be like, hey, does anybody got some money? I'm really hungry. I'd like to go get a Twinkie. And somebody might give you some money and you go get a Twinkie and you did it like the good way, the right way. You didn't steal. So Satan can kind of come at us the same way. Like, oh, you have a need? Well, why don't you just fill it yourself and it'll be good. It'll be all good. So that's how he comes at Jesus. Now, how does Jesus respond? Well, this is what he says. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of of God. So Jesus quotes the Bible right there, okay? He was actually quoting. Does anybody know that quote, by the way? Because if you know that, that's amazing. Anyone? What is it? What? Anybody know? What is it? Awesomeness. It is in the book of Awesomeness, chapter 12, verse 2. Totally kidding, JK. Um, no, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He's quoting 
uh, a verse when he says that. Now, he quotes the Bible, but then he reminds Satan in that verse that the only one he ultimately needs is God. He's not going to fill this need himself. He's trusting God. He knows God's going to take care of him. So all he needs really is God and to have faith in God. So that's how, that's how Jesus responds to, okay, you're going to tempt me. You're going to dare me to do this and fill this need myself. Well, here's the deal. All I need to do is trust God and all I need is God. So that's all I'm going to worry about. And I'm not going to turn the stone into bread. Even though I could, I'm not going to. Because ultimately all I need is God. So that was Jesus' response. Not a bad way to respond. Actually, it's probably the perfect way to respond. He was Jesus. So I'm thinking Satan's not going to give up. So he's going to come at Jesus again. Now, this is what Jesus does in response to that. It's like, okay, well, then the devil took him to the holy city. Anybody know what the holy city is? Jerusalem. Yes. He takes him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So Satan's taking him up to this high place. He's like, okay, you wouldn't turn the stones into bread. That's cool. But come up here to this high spot and just jump off. I mean, if you trust God so much, if you believe in God so much, just jump off and he'll protect you. Because that's what it says in the Bible. Because he's actually saying scripture right now. Satan is using the Bible right now. Anybody know what he's quoting right now? If you know this, I'll give you a lollipop. Anybody know it? What Satan is quoting right now? What is he quoting? The Bible, yes. What book and what chapter? No. No, 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 no. Okay, here's what it is. It's Psalm. You did? You said Psalm, what chapter? Oh, Psalm 91.11. I got to find you a lollipop later. Okay, that was it. Psalm 91.11 and 12, but that was, that was dead on. So she must be looking in her Bible. She's got little notes in there. Nice. <laughs> Psalm 91.11. So here's, here's a weird thing. Is anybody in here, did you ever think that, that Satan knew the Bible? I mean, whenever I think of Satan, I think he's like anti-Bible. Like he knows no Bible because he hates it. He actually knows it. He's quoting it. How many of you could have quoted Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12? Probably none of you. I couldn't have either. But Satan did it. He quoted it to Jesus. So Jesus answered his last temptation with the Bible. Now Satan comes back and quotes the Bible at Jesus and uses it to tempt him. So Satan knows the Bible. Number one, know that. He knows the Bible. He's a fallen angel. He used to be hanging out with God all the time, but he doesn't anymore because he wanted people to worship him and not God. So he knows the things about the Bible. He knows things about God. And then with that, those verses, he tempts Jesus to test God. Like, okay, you didn't have to turn those stones in, into bread. You say you trust God. You only need God. That's cool. Well, if you trust him that much, let me quote you some verses. And it says that you can't get hurt if you jump off this cliff that God's going to send angels down to protect you and keep you from hitting the rocks. So go ahead and just jump off. Just You won't go splat, I promise. And so he tempts him with more scripture and dares him to test God. Kind of the way he tests us to test God. Have you ever noticed that before? That 
a lot of times, I went back, um, a lot of times Satan will come at us and he'll be like, okay, you're a Christian, sweet, okay? Okay, now, if you believe God's so awesome and mighty, then trust him to get you out of this trouble you're in right now because you did this, 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 and this. I dare you. I, d- I dare you to flick off the principle and see if you get in trouble or not, okay? I dare you. Well, because I'm a Christian and because God loves me, I won't get in trouble. He'll be okay with it. He'll think I'm kidding. No, that's probably not how it's going to go down. God's not going to protect you from that. He's going to be like, you shouldn't have done that. You're going to detention now or ISS or OSS or whatever it is they're going to give you. So Satan will come at us the same way. He'll tempt us. Hey, I dare you to test God in this way. I dare you to test God here. I dare you to test God there. It'll kind of twist the truth because God is in control and he does love you and he does care about you. Does it mean he doesn't let bad stuff happen to you? No. So he'll come at us just like he's coming at Jesus. Now, how does Jesus respond? Well, Jesus answered him. It is also written. Oh, so he's like, yeah, but it's also written. Do not put the Lord, your God to the test. Now, again, he's quoting scripture. Anybody know the scripture? Huh? 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 Ooh, nice. Deuteronomy 6.16. Nice. That's what I'm talking People are trying to look at their notes in the Bible. I like it. Deuter- no, I, I only promised one lollipop, and I don't even have that one, so i got to find it. <laughs> Do you? Hook them up. Hook them up. Not right now. Later. Um, so Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 and says, listen, okay, but I'm not supposed to test God. None of us are supposed to test God. So if you're, let's just say you're standing on a ledge and Satan's tempting you to jump off because God will protect you. What? No. So if, if you're being tempted to just jump off because you believe God's going to protect you, I mean, he could, God can do anything, but you don't just test God like that. I'm not going to take a gun right now and just like point it at my toe and be like, I bet you this gun doesn't shoot my toe off. <laughs> it's going to blow. I just spit everywhere. I'm like one of those cobras that's like. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, if I pull a, put a gun to my toe and I pull the trigger, I'm losing my toe. God's not going to protect me from that because I'm being an idiot. I'm being dumb. I'm giving in to the temptation to pull a, put a gun to my, my foot. That's dumb. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so don't test God. That's what, that's how Jesus responds. So Jesus combats warped truth. Like, okay, yes, Jesus or God cares about us. He loves us. He's going to take care of us. He takes that truth and he warps it for, for Jesus to try to test God. Like, okay, well then if he's going to protect you, then do this. But he combats that with real truth. Like, okay, that's true. What you just said, um, but we're not supposed to test God in that. And so he combats warped truth with real truth. We can do the same thing. Like if I got that gun to my toe and I'm like, dude, I'm totally going to pull the trigger and God's going to protect me. And my buddy's right next to me or one of you guys are right next to me. And you're like, Brad, Brad, don't be an idiot. 
don't shoot your toe. It will blow your toe off. I'm telling you this because God loves you and he wants you to have all your toes. You'll never be able to play soccer again. Don't do it. And then if I don't do it at that point, you've combated my warped idea of truth with real truth. Like, Brad, if you do that, you're going to blow your toe off. That's the truth. I'm going to blow my toe off if I put a gun to my toe and pull the trigger. So Jesus, and that's a ridiculous example of the fact that Jesus combats warped truth with real truth. And we can do the same thing. Now, Satan's not done. It's like, okay, you didn't turn the stones into bread. You didn't jump off the cliff. I got to come at you a different way. And so here's what he does next. The devil's persistent. Have y'all noticed that? Satan's like, he doesn't stop. He just keeps coming. So here's what happens. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. So he's tried to tempt him to fill his own needs. He's tried to tempt him to test God. Now he's trying to tempt him with stuff. Like, I'll give you this, all these kingdoms, all this power, all this wealth. I'll give you all this stuff if you worship me. So Jesus tempts, or Satan tempts Jesus by giving him things if he'll worship him. So if you'll turn away from God, this God you keep talking about and you keep quoting, if you'll turn away from him and turn towards me, I'll give you all this stuff. You don't have to be hungry anymore. You don't have to get beat up anymore. You don't have to worry about people hanging you on crosses anymore. None of that. Don't worry about any of that anymore. Because I'm going to hook you up with all this stuff. Now, when I used to read this, I'd be like, dude, Satan couldn't give Jesus all that stuff. Well, God actually cast Satan down to earth. And and Satan actually has some power and dominion down here. Now, he's not stronger than God. He's not more powerful than God. That's not even a fight. God will take him out every day of the week. But he does have some power and authority because God allows him to. So he could have technically given Jesus some stuff. But is that stuff and him worshiping Satan, is that better than him fulfilling what God sent him to earth to do? And is it better than him knowing God? And is it better than the the things and the blessings that God would give him if he continues to follow God? Now, remember, at the end of Jesus' life, what happens to him? He dies. But who does he die for? Us. So in this moment, if Jesus would have given in to Satan... Guess who doesn't get saved? All of us. We're all left hanging. If Jesus gives in to any of these temptations, that's what happens to us. None of us get saved. None of us have a way to know God. So how does Jesus respond to this? Like, dude, having all these kingdoms sounds pretty good. I mean, he was a man. It it probably sounded pretty good to him. He was a dude. I mean, to be powerful and have all this land and all this money and whatever you want, that sounds pretty cool. But this is how Jesus responds. He gets fired up. Jesus gets fired up a few times in the Bible. And this is what he says. Very first thing. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan! Exclamation point. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What does only mean? Only. Only means only. 
So God only, there's like no other. It's like just God, not God and Satan. It's just God. That's it. The end, period. So Jesus responds by quoting the Bible for a third time. He quotes the Bible. Anybody know this one? Anybody want to look at their notes in the Bible? (laughs) Deuteronomy 13, yes. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy again and says to get out of here. And then he says to only... To, to only serve God and God alone. And he was unwilling to turn from God and tell Satan to leave. So Jesus responds to this, this uh, temptation of power and money and land and all this cool stuff. He responds to it like, that's enough. Get out of here. I only need God and God alone and that's it. How many of us respond that same way when Satan comes at us and he says, dude, hey, if you make fun of this, this guy right now in class, if you make everybody laugh with this comment that's going to make him feel like lower than dirt, if you, but if you say this, people will laugh, people will think you're cool and funny. If you do that, it'll be awesome. And I'll give you all that if you just make fun of him right now, just make fun of him, blast him in front of everybody. How many of us respond in that scenario with, ooh, I'm, I'm going to, I don't need to do that. God loves that dude just as much as he loves me. God, God wants me to not tear that person down, but he wants me to like love on that person. But then how many of us in that same situation would be like, ooh, yes, I'm going to blast him. And you go for the laugh. And you go for the popularity and you go for people thinking you're cool and thinking you're awesome. And then the very next day, they're making fun of you. Because that's how it goes in middle school, man. I remember. I would make fun of somebody one day. The very next day, I'm getting made fun of. Like crazy. It was, it was like dog eat dog in middle school. Like you just had to like always try to go after somebody so you could try to be cooler than everybody else. And so if you guys in here responded like this, when we have this temptation of popularity and like being cool and and having more friends and all that stuff that aren't really there, if we were keep just going after that stuff, how much better would it be if we responded like Jesus where we just say, no, we're not doing that. We're just going to follow God. And God loves all these people. Even the ones that are making fun of me right now, they love them too. What if we started to respond like that? What if you guys started to respond like that in your middle schools? It'd be unbelievable. It would start to change things. It really would. I know it seems like it's like, I can't change my school. My school's too crazy. There's too much drama. Anybody had some drama in middle school before, yeah? Amen. Okay, that's what I thought. This kind of stuff right here, guys, is what helps eliminate the drama. That's right, I said drama. Now, here's a few tips we can learn from this, okay? And these are the things I want you to take away from this. If you get nothing else, I want you to get these four things right here, okay? These are are some of the things we get out of how Jesus responded to temptation in this story, okay? Number one, you don't need to talk. That's not the tip. That's just rule number one. All right, tip number one is know the Bible. It's hard to, like, know the truth. 
when you're not reading it, right? So my encouragement to you is if you've been slacking on this or maybe you've never done it, start doing it today. Start reading it today. We have those things that I've told you about, conversation starters. They're out in the atrium every Wednesday night. You can grab one any night you want. They'll tell you how to read the Bible or tell you what to read in the Bible for like a month. So grab one if you need some help on what to read. But at the end of the day, you just need to read it. Pick it up and read it for 10, 15 minutes a day. And that right there is going to help you when temptation comes because you have truth in your head and in your heart. And that's one of the biggest ways you can combat temptation. What was the one thing Jesus did in all three of those responses? He quoted the Bible. Every one of them, he quoted the Bible. So if you're going to know the, if you're going to know the Bible, you need to read it. So start picking up your Bible, blow off the dust if you need to, break out the Windex, get it cleaned up, and start reading it. So, number two, stay focused on God. It's really easy for us to get distracted and, and start to get our focus on something else. Maybe on us, or maybe on a boy or a girl, or maybe on being popular, or maybe on some really cool clothes that we really like, so we're going to do anything we can do to get them. Or maybe on breaking uh, curfew. Uh, we can get our, our eyes fixed on so many different things. Keep them on Jesus. Keep them on God. Stay focused on Him. Jesus, through the entire time He was tempted, kept pointing back to Scripture and the Bible and His relationship with God. That was the most important thing to Him. If that's the most important thing to us, it's going to help us to say no to temptation. Now, number three. You've got to remember, Satan is a liar. Satan never is telling the truth. He is always a liar. Now, he's quoted Scripture, right? There's truth in that. The way he used the scripture was a lie. It wasn't right. It wasn't true. The way he's going to kind of come at us is going to seem really good. When you're tempted to do something against God, it's going to seem good a lot of times. Not all the time. Sometimes you're going to know, I definitely don't need to do that. That's a bad idea. Putting a gun to my toe, terrible idea. Other times it's going to look good. So you just got to remember, if this is not what God has asked me to do, and you know this is Satan tempting you to do something, whether it's lust or stealing or lying or whatever, remember, Satan is a liar. Never telling the truth. It's never going to be better when you do that thing. It's never going to be more awesomer. It's not even a word. It's not going to be that. So don't do it. Number four, please, please get this, okay? I've talked to so many students middle school students, who have said, I just feel like I can't not do this. I feel like I, I just have to, like it's, I, there's no way around it. I just have to sin, whatever that sin is. Whether it's, it's lying or stealing or looking at something on the computer or whatever it is, I just, I have to do that. There's no way around it. Here's the deal. Number four, because of Jesus, every one of you in here who has accepted Jesus, who knows Jesus, you can, you can not sin. You have the ability to resist temptation. When temptation comes your way, you have the ability to walk away from it. You do not have to give in to it. So if you're a Christian in here, you do not have to sin. You don't. Am I saying you're going to be perfect every time? Probably not. You're human. But you can, you can win that battle more often than you 
probably think you can. You can say no a whole lot more than you think you can. Because when we accept Jesus, when we know Jesus, He gives us the Holy Spirit, which is God's Spirit, the same Spirit He had. That's how He could live a perfect life. That's, I mean, He had God's Spirit. He gives us that. You have God's Spirit with you, so you don't have to sin. So when we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about temptation, and we're talking about how we can respond the same way Jesus did, these are four things. You can write down on your notes, you can put it on your mirror, you can keep it in your notebook at school, you can keep it in your Bible, something to to remind you, dude, when temptation comes my way, because it's going to, here's some things I can do to combat it. I need to know the, I need to be reading my Bible. I need to remember that God is my focus. He's my priority. He's the one that loves me like crazy. Satan doesn't. Satan's a liar. God loves me. Jesus loves me. And I don't have to sin. I don't have to give into this. I don't have to do it. 